Well, it's our first opportunity of the new year to uh, touch base with Stephen Nathan, founder of 10X, uh, one of South Africa's smartest investment uh, minds. I hope you had a good break in the uh, holiday season and have come back all refreshed and able to guide us even better in 2022. Uh, well, I hope so. So I, I'm definitely am refreshed, and I think uh, you know it's amazing emotionally and psychologically how we work as human beings. We kind of put a, a flag in the ground and say it's the end of a year, it's the end of a chapter for better and for worse. Uh, the time to relax, and it's always nice to relax when the whole world is relaxing. The news flow is slow, so you don't feel like you're missing anything. Um, but definitely, I'm optimistic and uh, hoping for a much better year all round. As optimistic is is good. Hoping for a better year, well, it can hardly be worse. We, we've come through a couple of <laughs> Let's rough hope so. years. You know, we weren't so sure about that. I think we probably said that a year ago. Uh, so, so let's hope. Let's let's hope that's correct. It seems to be correct, but as you say, you know, you never know. It's a very good point. Uh, I have spoken this week with Clem Sunter, who's our, uh, well, South Africa's um, national treasure when it comes to looking into the future. Uh, he's a scenario planner, but he's helped us a whole lot in this country in, in trying to see what's coming around the bend. And he's raising flags. Uh, it's a very complex world that we're living in. One of them, for instance, is he says, uh, don't discount the prospect possibility, risk of World War III. uh, We've had only 100 years ago that we had the First World War and then the Second World War. So uh, if something like that were to happen, I guess all bets are off as far as investing is concerned. Um, Alec, I think you'd have to define what World War III means because obviously how wars are fought these days is very different if we go back to World War II where it was, uh, uh, you know, very much sort of military combat, uh, artillery, uh, and we know that uh, the the atomic bomb ended the war uh, in many respects. Um, so you know what would a you know what would a world war look like today in terms of the you know the sophistication, unfortunately, of uh, of the weapons. And you'll know that uh, Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett, when they often asked about kind of risks, um, you know they sort of speak about nuclear, you know uh, the threat of nuclear. Uh, Weapons and warfare as one of their one of their top risks. Uh, so, and if it takes on those proportions, and given biological weapons, etc., I mean that would be a very scary scenario. So, hopefully, we are nowhere near close to to that. Uh, and then the other thing would be who are the participants in that war? Uh, we know that uh, uh, Russia uh, is certainly stepping up the ante. They're seeing a weak uh, United States and probably a divided. Uh, a divided sort of Western society, as is China. So they are taking advantage of that, and they're sort of pushing the envelope. And it looks like how far are they going to push the envelope, and what is the response going to be? Uh, personally, I, I I don't see a World War Three scenario happening uh, this year. But uh, you know, the, the tensions have definitely been rising for a while. Cybersecurity, uh, other type of issues, and obviously with uh, with Russia and Ukraine. Uh, Gas supplies running through Ukraine, trying to get to uh, Europe. That's having its own sort of energy crisis. So there's definitely lots of tensions, and uh, uh, I guess you know that 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 definitely is a concern for investors, uh, and it's a concern for all of us uh, in in uh, in many ways. But we can only hope that uh, that uh, uh, sort of rational, sane heads uh, will uh, will prevail. But as you say, we don't know. We don't know. 
when you then think of a South African scenario, here we've now had an election. It looks like things are changing politically. Uh, it looks like our economy would at, at least um, do better this year than, than during the lockdown uh, influence 2020 uh, 20 and 2021. Are things brighter uh, on the investment front in South Africa? Well, if we look at the the sort of uh, economy, and I made this point, I think, in our last uh, the, the show of last year, you know, the economy was lousy. The stock market was actually very good for South Africans. Um, you know, so so you don't always get the two in sync. If we look at the economy, I mean, given the fact that we shed something like at least two million jobs last year, you know, one can only hope that uh, that we have an environment where we create jobs. You know, and the way you create jobs uh, often uh, is often led by confidence uh, and by people, you know, willing to invest. Um, you know, one of the, the the sad facts of South African corporates is that they're very cash flush. So there's a lot of cash on the balance sheet. It's not as though there's a shortage of cash. Uh, there's there, there's a shortage of uh, of belief that there are um, exciting investment opportunities to deploy that cash. So companies, rather than deploying the cash and investing in the economy and creating jobs, they're sitting on the balance sheet. So hopefully we can get confidence uh, and we can get uh, you know the business business uh, sector more confident. But government needs to play up an important role. And you know things like we've seen the Zondo Commission. You know, there needs to be um, action and people brought to account for the corruption and maladministration that has taken place in South Africa in the private sector and the public sector. And I think you know, these are sort of the building blocks that would sow the seeds for a better 2022. And then, you know, building on that, a, you know, a better uh, 2023 and onwards as well. Stephen, what keeps you awake at night? Well, in a South African context, I think the issue really is around uh, uh, the confidence in the country, which is primarily driven uh, by you know, uh, the views towards government and the safety of its uh, uh, of its citizens. So if we look at uh, safety and also the well-being. So, you know, if you look at, you know, either side of the spectrum, I think the, the people that are financially uh, well off or financially comfortable, you know, they're sort of looking at, uh, you know, safety. Am I going to be safe? Are my children going to be safe? Is this going to be a country that, uh, you know, uh, we can live a good life from a safety perspective? And on the other end of the spectrum, it's really about, you know, do we have basic, you know, do we have an opportunity in South Africa for us to have jobs and to have a decent standard of living? You know, and government's got to address both of those. And what we saw in the July riots, you know, uh, obviously there was a, a, a political element to that. But, uh, but there were a lot of dissatisfied and disenfranchised people, you know, that uh, this was the only way to voice their concern. And, you know, for me, that would be, that would be the main risk. Uh, that South Africa faces because we've got so much potential in this country and we all talk about it. We all talk about the untapped uh, and the potential we can unlock. But uh, I believe that government is the main catalyst to do that. They can't do that on their own. They do need the support of business and of labor and of other kind of stakeholders. But I think you know that's the trick is for them to build those bridges uh, and you know get South Africa working more together collectively for all stakeholders because, uh, you know, in the last few years, we've been pulling, pulling each other apart. And as a consequence, we've been sort of tearing down rather than building up and creating the confidence and creating the foundation for, you know, for everybody to benefit. 
On the other end of the spectrum, what do you get most excited about? I think the you know it's the it's the um, that untapped potential. You know, South Africans are incredibly uh, optimistic, resilient. We're entrepreneurial. Uh, we are uh, we are used to dealing with challenges because if you look at how well uh, the country has done, uh, despite you know uh, all the challenges that we've had, and despite the corruption and the incompetence and the maladministration, uh, you know, so there's there, there's incredible um, you know I, th- I think there's an incredible incredible resilience here. And I think South Africans of all races are very proud of being South African, uh, and we want to help each other. You know, um, the work that uh, I think people do across, uh, you know, if you look at the work that the private sector is doing, you know, helping, uh, trying to help with NGOs and charities and upliftment and social good, uh, you know, I think that that shows that people, you know, the sort of perception that. Uh, uh, we self-centered and, you know, there's racial divide and it's us versus them or rich versus poor, you know, it, it just doesn't play out in the real world in South Africa. So there's so much potential that if we had the right environment, a conducive, constructive environment, I think that, you know, there's, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that South Africa could grow at between five and 8% per annum for 10 years if we had the right enabling environment in place. Unfortunately, we haven't done that. But the potential exists, and there's many other countries where you'd say you couldn't do that. You know, you have, you don't have the infrastructure, you don't have the skills, you don't have the financial institutions. Uh, we have all of that. Um, so, 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 so there's enormous potential. So let's have a look from a broad global perspective, and where you would be upweighting your portfolio in 2022. Um, I think that uh, you know. If you sort of look at the globe, I mean, what's always interesting and, and, and marginally concerning is just how important the U.S. is. Uh, you know, the U.S. has been 50 percent plus um, of the global stock market for for a few decades now. Uh, and the U.S. only contributes it's, it contributes less than 25 percent to global GDP, but it contributes you know more than double that to the stock market. Now, now that seems like a big dislocation. So often, when you're talking about, you know, where do you want to invest, you've got to say, well, do I want to be overweight or underweight in in the U.S. Um, what is interesting about the U.S. and in their favor is that they've got uh, some of the biggest multinational companies in the world. So a lot of the the profits they're earning are, are not necessarily only in the U.S. You know, it used to be um, sort of the uh, the global the global Procter and Gamble, some of the global you know, companies that were operating there, Walmart to a lesser extent. Uh, these days, it's obviously Google, Apple, Facebook, uh, Meta, etc. Um, so they, they, they're incredibly powerful. But we know the US has done well. It's done well economically and it's done well because of technology. But I think that you know the US is probably not going to be uh, as hot a market as it was. So I would tend to be a little bit underweight uh, in in the US on a global basis, uh, I think where the opportunities are going to lie, you know, China's a big call, and I know you know there's obviously, uh, you know, um, is China is it is it going to be continue to be an investor unfriendly environment? Is the government still going to, you know going to, going to continue clamping down on profit uh, and deciding you know where where sort of capital should be allocated? In which case, you know, China isn't where you would want to be. But if they sort of take their 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 foot off the throttle, as in stop throttling, throttling those companies and entrepreneurial spirit. I think China's a very interesting one that uh, that could bounce back. But it's kind of a little bit of a high risk, 
a high-risk player. But I do think there are some interesting opportunities in China. It was also quite interesting to see Charlie Munger doubling down in Ali Barber uh, in the last quarter of the year. Uh, so, so I think there is some interesting um, uh, opportunities over there. And then I think also Europe is probably going to be you know, somewhat, somewhat, somewhat interesting. But I think as a whole, uh, it's probably not going to be as good a year for the stock market as uh, the last two years have been. It's an interesting point that you raise there about some smart investors or insiders going bigger on China. Charlie Munger is an obvious example. But in the last few days, we've seen lots of coverage on Bob von Dijk from Process investing heavily into his own company, so buying shares in his company. I guess the first question is, uh, you know, you work for somebody else and you've got hundreds of millions of rands to invest. You've got to wonder uh, – whether or not uh, shareholders will be happy that someone's become that wealthy by being part of the of the uh, of the management team, but on the other hand, at least he is reinvesting in his own company. Might he be distracted by the excitement that he sees within process and maybe forgetting that the major part of that business is actually ten cent and something over which he has absolutely no control? Uh, yeah, you're right. Um... You know, I think it was over $125 million and one wonders where the money came from. But uh, <laughs> but as you say, the fact that he's reinvesting that because he could, you know, he doesn't have to. He's under no obligation to do that. So he must uh, and he's he's a staunch capitalist. So he must see an opportunity over there. Um, you know, you are right that uh, the major driver uh, of of uh, process and Nuspers being 10 cents, he has no control over. So it could be a few things. He could be saying, you know, uh, ten cent. The underlying business is still doing well. It's still growing profits, um, but obviously the you know the long term outlook is not as good as it was, and there's much more uncertainty there. But uh, you know, I think probably Bob Van Dyke and many others believe that uh, that's more than reflected in the share price of ten cent. So you know that in itself is an attractive asset. Um, but what Bob Van Dyke does have control over is you know uh, unlocking the discount uh, in b- between process and uh, and ten cent, and you know, in a in a way, it's good because uh, by having so much of his own wealth invested in uh, process, then he he is aligned with shareholders. And then, as much as other shareholders are upset that there's a wide discount, he should be as upset with that, and he has much more of an ability to influence it. So, you know, I think that is a positive sign for process and Nuspes uh, shareholders. Hopefully, he does something about it. Because obviously, as we and many others have said over the last few years, all of the actions that uh, uh, that the uh, process board and management have done in terms of selling down ten cent and trying to narrow the discount, uh, you know, has not added any uh, any value to shareholders. What about the sector that matters so much to South Africa? Resources. I was looking at some of the uh, performance tables for twenty twenty one. And one of the worst performing shares last year was Kumba, which was down 30%. It's lost a third of its value. You, you have a similar situation in other resources stocks and quite a lot of negativity at the moment that the so-called super cycle that many people were excited about is, if not petering out, uh, it's just not going to happen. How are you viewing that? Now, I think that... Um, you know, resources typically it's generated by global growth, and China has been the main engine of global growth. Um, so, so you know, if we look at uh, the sort of global economy, uh, 
you know, as I think I've said said a bit earlier, I, I, I think it's going to be quite a tough global economy, given how well um, uh, the the global economy, rather than the South African economy, did last year. You know, the enormous government uh, stimuluses and the money that was created, you know, created enormous amounts of uh, demand. There wasn't enough supply to meet that demand. Um, you know, hence it was inflationary, but commodity prices were a, were an enormous beneficiary of that. So firstly, I don't think you, you know, you haven't got that pent up demand, that unexpected uh, demand. So I think, I think, uh, I think supply demand is going to be a little bit more, uh, more in sync. And then obviously you've got China, which is the, the single biggest driver of commodity prices globally. And, you know, their economy has slowed down and they've got problems because of the enormous debt within the system. It's been, you know, a lot of that growth has been fueled by, by debt. And we know the story with property and Evergrande, et cetera. And that's just, you know, symptomatic of a broader issue uh, within, within China. So uh, I don't think you're going to have that level of growth. Um, and commodities, unfortunately, it tends to be a boom and a bust. You either tend to do really well or, or really badly. Um, but I, you know, personally, I think there's still some room left in the commodities. I still think there's, you know, there's going to be enough demand for commodities for those, uh, for those shares uh, to do to do well uh, in general, the commodity the res- the resource uh, companies have been better. They've been managing their capital much better. So in previous sort of boom cycles, they've got overexcited by the amount of money they're making, and they've invested in quite poor projects. You know that haven't delivered value, and they've been much more responsible this time around. So I think that the resources sector is in better shape, uh, and I still think there is some room to run. And obviously, from a South African perspective, we hope that's true. Because um, the commodity uh, sector, the resource sector in South Africa, has single-handedly uh, been the biggest net positive to our sort of tax receipts over the last probably eighteen months. Um, you know, and that's that has hidden a lot of other gaps that has sort of emerged in our revenue tax base, and you know, has helped us to have a healthier uh, fiscal government uh, uh, finance position. Not a not, not a great position but certainly better than you know than government and many others thought it would be so it's definitely in south africa's interest uh, if we can at least have a decent uh, commodity uh, price cycle uh, for at least the next 12 to 18 months